Now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Michael Edgley and Willem van Dendel for our podcast where we go through our highlights of the past week, our teams, our moments of the week and plenty more. Our old mate Derek is going to be returning next week. I think he's going to have a few contributions from his travels over the past month. Uh, but Edge, um, you know, you, you curate carefully. You've got a, a big football feed coming through uh, your devices. Uh, I know you always like to pluck one out there that's uh, a little out of left field. You're talking about the game of the week, are you, Rob? I am, but we won't sort of um, reveal it just yet. But um, but you've always got one, and I'm always interested to hear you talk about it when you because it's often something I've got no idea about until you mention it. Yeah, I just obviously chat. am interested in Asian football in particular, which uh, you know I um, gaze at uh, throughout the, the course of a week. I know Willem is interested in Asian football too. You have a bit of a look in the Asian space for. All sorts of games, don't you, Will? I do, certainly. Although this week I've gone with another one of your passions, Edge, the A-League women's. My game of the week would have to be Adelaide United against Canberra United. The uh, Canberra have picked up their season where the last one ended with an absolute goal fest. Three penalties in this one and two howlers, unfortunately, from uh, Adelaide's young keeper, Annalie Grove, that she'll want to put behind her. But on the more positive side, the pick of the goals and I'll ask for your opinion here, Reg. The We're going to split either Hannah Blake's goal to level for Adelaide at three all, a fantastic finish uh, with her sort of outside foot across the goalkeeper, or Vesna Milivojevic's second goal just two minutes later to put Han- uh, Canberra back up for the final time at 4-3. Crowded box, high ball came down, uh, looped in, and she just managed to drop it on the boot and, uh, and slide it in. So I'll give you a bit of time to, uh, to, to brew on that. Uh, in the finish, the fourth minute of injury time, was Amelia Murray off the bench who took on the strike Bought a ticket, as they say, and depending on which side of the fence you're on, it was either a cruel or a kind deflection uh, off Emma Ilyowski, uh that looped the keeper. So points shared, Canberra back in business, and A-League women's underway. Yeah, they were all good goals, weren't they? But Hannah Blakes was the one that I liked the most because you described it so aptly with the outside of the foot across the goalkeeper. But uh, I think Adelaide United will be pretty disappointed uh, not getting the points. Their goalkeeper made a couple of absolute howlers to allow um, the first two Canberra goals by coming out and trying to be um, the keeper sweeper, but not having the probably the ability to do it. And um, she got rounded a couple of times, Willem, didn't she? Yeah, no, she'll, uh, that's, a, that's a day for learning. That was rough. That was very rough. So I think Adelaide will be feeling like that was one that got away. Rob? Your uh, your game? Yeah, well, I'm sticking with the um, the A League women's competition. Um, I think there were plenty to to choose from, but I mentioned this in in the main show when we were talking about uh, what our highlights were, and this was uh, you know Sydney FC the title defence up and running. It was a history making night at Allianz Stadium. The Sky Blues put Western Sydney uh, to well not to the sword, but they had a comfortable two nil win. It was uh, just under eleven and a half thousand fans at the Derby uh, to see Courtney Vine in her homecoming after she became a, a national hero during the uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, it beat the record of the the um, uh, the, the previous record that the entire crowd um, uh, over the, the crowds over the course of, of the weekend, uh, as Tom Smithies reported in Keep Up, the only jarring note of that match was uh, for Ante Biricicide was uh, a, a, an injury to uh, to Nat Tobin who had to be carried off. And she was in tears in the rooms. He said after the game, uh, uh, fortunately, it looks like uh, just a torn meniscus as opposed to a full blown ACL, which it could have been at the time. 
But really, that night was all about Courtney Vine off the back of her heroics in the World Cup. But, and, and to me, it just really screams as an advertising and a marketing person to anyone involved in ensuring the legacy of the World Cup is maximised. Um, with so many of our Matildas playing in the international leagues and, and a little difficult for our young girls to uh, to to un- to get near them, um, the ones we have at home need to be carefully curated into the stars that those young girls and boys uh, get to see every week. Because I remember as a kid nagging my dad to take me to to local games. So nothing's changed uh, since time immemorial. Every kid nags their mum or their dad to take them places. So so if we can just find that way to to find that one or two uh, players in each team to make them those local stars so the kids love them, that to me is one of those links that I'm sure smarter people at Football Australia who've been doing, to their credit, a great job uh, over recent times. And yeah, we have a few concerns from time to time about their promotion, but you know, we need that money spent on billboards. We, we need to be in their faces in social media, putting proper positive feeds in front of their faces and uh, edge uh, making the, 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 the heroes local heroes. Yeah, well said, Rob. But there's one other item I think we need to draw attention to out of that game is that that Western Sydney need to start to take their female program seriously. They've been behind the eight ball for a long time. Uh, that was a marquee match, uh, the big game of the weekend where they had the most cameras and Western Sydney, for me, they just weren't even in the game right from the beginning. Uh, they weren't competitive and they need to pull their finger out and they need to get serious about their women's program and recruit some higher profile prop players. So this Derby event becomes unmissable mm-hmm. rather than Western Sydney, you know, going down three or four goals uh, in every game, every time they play. No. 12 completed seasons for one finals appearance in a competition that used to have uh, nine, 10, 11 teams edge. Absolutely. Western Sydney, uh, their women's program has been an abject failure and the way they um, disposed of their coach, you know, seven days before the first game, it just shows you where they're at in terms of preparation and planning. Whatever happened there, we don't know. But the fact that they had to do that for whatever reason is an indictment on their program. Before a ball's been kicked. Yeah, good point. Maybe uh, deserves some uh, some more forensic investigation. What about your game of the week, mate? And my game of the week, I'm sticking with the A-League women's um, theme. And it was the first match of Central Coast Mariners. And I thought it was a fantastic way to start the season. 6,000 people. At Gosford, Rob, you know the stadium well. Mm. Uh, their very first time. There was a much hype. Um, Kaya Simon not ready to play. We don't know when she'll be ready to play, uh, but she was celebrated before the game. And um, one of the items about this game that stood out to me was the F3 derby. Uh, they have got a new trophy. Did you see the trophy, Rob? You, you mentioned that in the um, in the uh, the main show, and I, I didn't see it. No, it's I'm a bit of guardrail from the freeway. <laughs> and uh, it's very much a, it, it's very, very A-League, that trophy. But um, it did garner a lot of uh, commentary online, not most of it positive. But uh, it was one of those traditional derbies where you had six yellow cards, two red cards, mm. end-to-end stuff. Central Coast had a real crack. But at the end of the day, it was the seasoned pro, wasn't it, Melina Ayres, who is transitioning from a young player with enormous potential to a superstar professional and she rose above her defender and slotted home a beautiful header to give Newcastle Jets three points in a game that maybe Central Coast thought they might have been able to get something out of. So 
Uh, I just enjoyed the whole atmosphere, in particular the six yellow cards. It was serious, Rob. It was serious. Yeah. No, no, it was legit. And um, and look, anyone who listens to this show knows your very close connection as Melina's manager, um, and uh, you know you've guided a career uh, along the journey. But uh, you know, to, to that point that I was making uh, about local stars, I mean, um, she's a working class hero kind of girl, and uh, and a Newcastle kind of person. Uh, she's the sort of person that um, that a club like Newcastle, who just love their roll your sleeves up, get down and dirty, uh, get out on the waves and surf the beaches at Merriweather. So stuff uh, you know that's she's a, a a woman that you could do something with Absolutely. not shy of an opinion she's, either edge yeah no no she's not shy of an opinion and she loves um her environmental environmentalism as well as her surfing and she's good at scoring goals in the a-league women competition too yeah. raised on the very mean streets of marambina rob street smarts from around that part of town absolutely all right over to you Willem. what's your team of the week mate I want to go with Wales. We touched on them in the main show, but let's dig a little bit deeper. I think for a while, and Derek certainly echoed these sentiments, that this is a team that maybe we've considered at the back end of a golden era. World Cup probably didn't go as they had have hoped. It was their first outing since 1958, but registered just one point against England, the US and Iran. Uh, and Euro qualification looked to be drifting a little bit as well until this past week. Warmed up, and sometimes you just got to feel good about yourself no matter what you're doing. So they warmed up with a 4-0 friendly win over Gibraltar. So they trailed Croatia heading into this one by three points for second place with the top two in the group uh, to qualify for the Euros automatically. And that 2-1 win off the back of a night that uh, young Wilson, who is 26, not that young, but uh, Harry Wilson, will never forget, uh, sees them now leapfrog uh, Croatia, not on goals scored or goal difference, but on the head-to-head. So they've got two games to go against Armenia and Turkey next month, Rob. Uh, it's not a done deal, but they've roused themselves when they were well and truly on the brink. The crowd played its part as well, uh, and they are they are right back in the mix. Yeah, well, you know, um, there were many who suggested that Wales uh, was uh, was going to fall off uh, the cliff after the, the golden days of uh, Gareth, who I used to call Christian Bale, and, um, and that hasn't happened. And and it's great to see that um, that the Welsh uh, national side are uh, as, maybe not as competitive as they were when they were at their absolute peak, but uh, but still you know competitive to this to the point where they they should qualify for Germany next year. Well and truly worth a look if you haven't caught it uh, at the highlights for the second goal uh, from Wilson, a very sort of classy header for a cross that came in while uh, on the pirouette helped on. Uh, and his, his first one, Domagoj Vida, Edge, we've seen plenty of him over the years. He's still uh, pretty strong at the back for uh, Croatia, but he outbodied him and then looped him over uh, Lovakovic, the star of last year's uh, World Cup from a goalkeeping sense. So yeah, up against some pretty formidable opposition and yeah, Wales right back in the uh, in the mix, destiny in their hand to qualify for the Euros along with uh, with Scotland. Huge result, Willman. Uh, my team of the week. I'm, I'm, I'm nominating the Socceroos. I actually want to talk uh, in, in a little bit of detail about the missed chances and just um, what might have been had of uh, one or two of them gone in. Um, uh, Mitchell Duke, he'd want his time again, wouldn't he, Willem? I think at the 21st minute mark, um, um, that volley um, that just flashed very narrowly wide um, as a result of the combination of some really fantastic football by. Craig Goodwin and Martin Boyle. Um, then, obviously, there was um, a great move by um, by Bacchus that um, resulted in Ryan Strain getting on the end of a end of a uh, another Martin Ball piece of work where um, he just wasn't able to slot the ball in, in in what looked like a fairly straightforward chance. Um, and then um, we shouldn't forget, obviously, uh, Kai Rolls um, putting over the bar from close range. 
as well as um, 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 Metcalf hitting the bar. So there was a lot to like about the Socceroos' performance against England, and, and I genuinely believe it's another step in the right direction. Um, very impressed also at the back end of the park. Uh, Harry Suter had a wonderful game, and um, I think he'll be back in that Leicester team pretty soon as a result of just some of the form he's showing. So uh, my team of the week was the Socceroos. Let's hope they well and truly give New Zealand a, a, a thorough going over and uh, go into the um, World Cup qualifiers that first round with a lot of confidence. Yeah, it was a great game to watch, um, getting up um, early on a Saturday morning at home. And, uh, you know, it's one of those ones where, you know, you the tension level grew, even though it was only a friendly. And I know I, I listened to a fair bit of the BBC afterwards and some of the commentary, and naturally it was, you know, more focused on, on England's uh, underwhelming performance, as Henry, you know, Winter indicated um, when we talked to him earlier on in the week. But uh, from the point of view of an Australian side, you know, I mean, to suggest that their journeyman players would be disrespectful. But uh, from an England point of view, that's probably how they would describe a lot of our players. Uh, and um, and the fact that uh, an experienced old hand uh, like Arnie can pull them together, it was great to see Gus Hiddink and, and, uh, and Ange Postacoglu there in the stadium uh, to, to really draw on that uh, that culture and, and bring uh, the expectation to a level that they can take on and beat anyone. It was just a shame that, you know, after what we'd seen when you guys were there in Qatar, where where um, the Socceroos were able to find that um, that world-class finish, that they just they just couldn't find that moment. And they had heaps of chances. There'll be, uh, I mean, Ryan Strain in particular, um, that moment where he'll be really playing that for forever, that he could have been the guy that uh, scored the equaliser um, against um, England at Wembley um, in our first ever match there. So hopefully, I'm sure he'll get other opportunities, but he'll never get that one again. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game. Well, I'm going to stick with the the, uh, the European kind of theme. Uh, we've all gone there. We went with the women's uh, A-League to start. So my team of the week. So uh, seven matches, seven wins, 27 goals, two conceded and qualification for the Euro 2024 guaranteed. Uh, do you know who I refer to, guys? Portugal. Yes, uh, looking at a group with only one other top 50 nation, so that's Slovakia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and Iceland, 63 and 67 respectively, and Luxembourg, 85, and Liechtenstein, you would think that they would coast through that group. But historically, Portugal have struggled in the qualifiers for both the Euros and the World Cup. They sort of often eke their way in there, but that's not been the case under Roberto Martinez. Uh, he seems to have blown off the cobwebs on what was generally considered a, a defensive approach uh, under their, their sacked World Cup manager, Fernando Santos, uh, uh, who famously, I, I watched the highlights of that um, that game against Morocco, which uh, I think with the both of you at that game, the Portugal-Morocco um, game. I was at the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. 2018? Uh, yeah, no, no, last year, 2022, 2022 Qatar. Oh, the one just gone. I was certainly at Portugal-Morocco 2018. Yeah. Um, how indulgent to be uh, speaking like that, Rob, but no, go yeah. on. Yeah, no, excellent. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and watch those Because the, the, the FIFA um, website uh, often hosts highlights packages without any commentary. So you just get to watch it with the crowd noise in the background, which I absolutely love. And uh, and it was uh, it, there were so many opportunities. Bruno Fernandes, Pepe and uh, and Ronaldo came on late. So, you know, the Selesau came into this match um, against uh, Slovakia and they knew that, um, that, that it was qualification on the line. So, you know, I mean, to describe him as evergreen would probably be stretching um, the the 
um, description of Cristiano Ronaldo playing uh, in, well, you know, Am I being too tough to call Saudi Arabia a backwater? I mean, insofar as uh, uh, as football's concerned, it's not exactly you know prestige stuff. Uh, despite the fact that you know there's huge names, I know. But hey, right now, go Edge, Edge, go Edge, Edge. Is it any better than the A League right now? I'm asking you that question. Is it that vastly superior? I mean, they beat um, Argentina in the opening round of the World Cup, but we nearly beat them in the knockout phase. Are they that much better than Australia right now? The Saudi Arabian Premier League is miles better than the A-League, has been for the last 20 years. Um, and they have an extremely... Well, how come it doesn't translate into World Cup performances, Michael? Well, they've been to a lot of World Cup finals. But they don't so get results the there, years. mate. They've when was the last they, time they got through to the knockout they were phase? The, they were the superpower of Middle Eastern football. Middle Eastern football has traditionally not done very well on the world stage, but they are the superpower of that part of the world. Their league has deep history. The sport has deep history. It's a. I'm not. You are starting to put words in my mouth because I'm you've, not you've suggesting been any of a that. A little bit. A little bit. Um, there's some veiled comments there that I don't think are right. No, there's no veiled comments. I'm just suggesting that it's not a top flight competition around the world and that uh, the fact that um, Cristiano Ronaldo plays in it uh, when he's one of the best players in the history of the competition and he can still score two goals in a Euro qualifier is somewhat contradictory to me. There's nothing veiled. It's just that it's not as good as the Premier League, the Bundesliga, the Serie A, La Liga. That's what all I'm, is all I'm suggesting. Well, it's the biggest lead in the, in the Middle East. Okay, fair enough. All right, hot topics. Who's going to um, take the new ball? I'll slide in on the new ball there, Rob. Uh, my hot topic comes from the Dorking Wanderers, possibly a first mention in the history of Box to Box of this uh, fine, if developing club. Uh, their manager, Mark White, has dished out one of the all-time sprays to his players following their loss to Horsham in the FA Cup fourth round. Let's take a listen. And it's life-changing, so my <laughs> players can learn a lesson because they were so poor. And I'll tell you one thing, I will... Always put my hand up. It's not about availability, injuries, who was returning, who wasn't. It wasn't about that at all. Um, it was about the fact that that team let the fans down 100%, wholeheartedly. Sometimes I get the management team to take the blame, part blame, some blame, whatever. Today was wholeheartedly a bunch of players that were absolutely Edge, when you hear a manager speak like that, you'd have to say that he'd not long for his job, would you not? Well, um, there'd be some interesting uh, perspectives in the change room, no doubt about that, but that is refreshing. Rob, does that sound like a man who's going down swinging? Maybe there's a few no, issues no. and he won't I be mean, there for no, long? I, th I think we need to do a little bit more. Um... I'm, I'm about to give it. Oh, good, because um, it's funny that you mention this because um, one of my young Alexander's carers is a, is a brummy boy, follows the villa, always telling me how they're going. Often he knows the result of no other game other than how villa's been going. And uh, um, and he, he started talking to me about dorking and how far they've come from the public side and had what, 12 promotions in a row? Is that right? So this man, Mark White, isn't just the manager, Edge. He is the founder of the club in 1999. He's their owner. He has overseen 12 promotions since taking over the managerial role in 2007. 599 games for 316 wins. This would have seen them into the FA Cup proper for the first time, but instead they've gone out and turned that performance in, and it's pretty apparent what he thinks of it. Uh, so, yeah, they've lost to Horsham, two divisions below. So they were on the precipice of 
a next little step of history, having come from uh, Division 5 of the Crawley and District League in 99, where you have to start from that part of the world. Uh, they're in the English Football League now. Are on that, they were on the verge uh, of the FA Cup. And yeah, not impressed, Mark White, but he's safe as houses. He'll be there uh, next season. No dramas. <laughs> Now, it was, well, I had been, it's his club, I was, Rob. Of course, he's he's not going anywhere. But um, uh, I would be um, interested to hear the insights of some of uh, the players in the sheds uh, as to how they reacted to all that. But I, I think we've just got to keep a, a watching brief. Uh, amongst your many jobs when you land in the UK, Willem, as our foreign correspondent on Box to Box, um, is to do a little bit more homework on, on Dorking because, you know, the expectations, the bar will be raised on you that if you can secure, you know, so many guests over the years from um, your old hometown of Melbourne that when you're uh, in the middle of the, uh, the, the you know, the, the big the big pond that you'll be able to find, you know, people like the owner of Dorking. What would a Mark White offside rate podcast numbers-wise, Edge? Oh, the he would be pretty good based on some of the comments he made. Well, we just wouldn't blip him. I think I'd have to ask Adam to just to, to sort of stay off the button and just let him because I, I don't think all of those blips worked quite well enough. Uh, not that. Oh uh, well, they weren't Adam's blips. They were no, they, they were pre blipped. So no. no, he weren't. No, if it was Adam, there you would not have known what was going on. <laughs> Completely. All right, Edge, hot topic. My hot topic, Rob, is the new uh, the National Women's Soccer League playoffs in America. We've come to the end of the season, and Emily. Van Egmond's San Diego Wave, only in their second season in that competition, has taken out the uh, the title, the shield for putting on top. However, they've got a playoffs um, coming up, and I just thought I'd run through um, uh, what's happening. Um, the quarterfinals, um, basically Gotham FC, um, they're, they're fronting up against North Carolina Courage. The winner of that match will play San Diego Wave in the semifinals in San Diego. And... Um, the glamour club of the National Women's Soccer League in America, Angel City, they've qualified for their quarterfinal against Orlando Rain, and the winner of that match will take on Portland Thorns in the semifinal. So we're getting down to the um, the juicy end of the National Women's Soccer League. It was obviously had a, a mid-season break for the Women's World Cup, but all the names are there. Uh, Megan Rapone, um, she scored a brace to help secure a playoff spot for Orlando Rain in a frantic last round of the season where all six matches kicked off at the one time. Um, Sydney LaRue put in a massive exclamation point on Angel City's first ever playoff berth with a ridiculous bicycle kick. Get online and see that. That was amazing. There's some incredible crowds in these games. But um, let's wish a very, very, very big good luck to Emily Van Egmond, who is going to be going around for her club um, on the week after next San Diego Wave in the semifinals. Um, and some names that Willem, um, uh, fans of the A-League women's uh, competition might remember is that Savannah McCaskill. Yes. She was uh, well and truly in the mix of stuff for um, uh, Orlando Pride. And, yeah, there's plenty of good stuff there. Alex Morgan um, and uh, and her own, um, obviously, Alex Chidiak. Uh, her team missed out. Uh, the Courage missed out on the finals. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that. That's my little report from the National Women's Soccer League. Uh, their playoffs happening over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see um, how the uh, the US national women's side uh, bounces back from the disappointment of uh, of the, uh, the the World Cup uh, and uh, and the expectations that were flattened um, that night in Melbourne. Uh, I just wonder, and I'm interested. Um, perhaps this is a conversation for another day, Edge, um, as to whether the the rise of the women's Super League has uh, has taken some of the the 
um, the peak level competition out of the US national women's side because uh, so many players and so much money is now being invested uh, in the women's Super League. Um, yeah, well, you've I mean, got I some. You... Uh, I think you've got still four or five clubs in the women, National Women's Soccer League in America that are uh, a little bit financially better off than some of the women's Super League clubs at the moment. Mm-hmm. Whether that remains long term, one of those teams is Gotham City. Uh, or Gotham FC, I should say. Who I was uh, going to say is um, is this bad New York. girl play there? Or? Well, what is their nickname, Rob? I, I know. Uh, what, what are they? They're, I don't they know. Are the bats. They uh, are the bats. Gotham are. FC are the bats. The Cape Crusader. The penguin off the bench. Yeah, it's great. And it's just, I always thought um, Robin got us, you know, bad rap. They got a great owner as well. Look, it's a great competition, and. Um, you know, all, there's a lot of names that mm. A-League women's supporters would recognise that have mm. played in the A-League that are now superstars in the National Women's Soccer League. Yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a fantastic league and uh, we, mm. we, we'll get some great finals over the next few weeks. I'll pave the way for women's football around the world. I don't think there can be any doubt about that uh, at all um, to uh, to suggest that uh, their Bruce demise... Bell and Sophia Werther play for yes. Orlando Reign. Uh, they've exactly. both had very significant stints in the A-League women's competition. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. All right, I'm going to bring it home with my hot topic now. I mentioned it in the opener in the main show uh, earlier in the week, but the most important storyline for me in the coming week is how the A-League men's competition plays out throughout the course of the season. Now, as we know, uh, we talked about it in the in the show earlier on in the week. Last year's season was pretty much sabotaged after uh, the grand final decision was made, but the maniacal fan reaction that ended up with 23-year-old Alex Agalopoulos sentenced to three months in prison by a Melbourne magistrate for his role in the incident and banned from attending any event at the stadium for five years um, is the the underscore of that entire season. The fact that a, a, a crazy um, reaction to a poor administrative defic- decision set off a, a tinderbox that, um, that should never have been allowed. Uh, so off the back of the exceptional atmosphere at the Women's World Cup, and, and as we said, similar in the opening round of this past weekend, the question remains. So the national men's side are making us proud on the international stage. Domestic players, imports, coaches, all doing their best to build a competition we can be proud of. My question is... Will the fans in the terraces play their part and help create a family-friendly atmosphere that allows families to come along, active support to do what it does, and give the game in this country the oxygen that it needs to start to compete as it should do with the AFL and the NRL? That's my uh, long-range proposition, observation, forecast, um, hope for this coming season. Hmm, I'm looking at some very sort of quiet faces there, like but pondering. Well, I think, Rob, some clubs have the capacity to do that, but I think other clubs don't, you know, and there is a unique atmosphere at these games and there is a particular culture that's developed. Um, you know, the, the active supporter groups at Adelaide and Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC and Western Sydney in particular, you know, they have a great responsibility to bring um, an atmosphere of... Um, you know, that's got a cutting edge that is a little bit... Um, Can I just up, ask you this question, about? though? I mean, you know, I'm a big boy, you know. I don't mind a bit of language and I use it pretty much every single day. I do not like going to stadiums and hear fans chanting from one side of the stadium to the other um, using pub language when families are trying to bring their kids to the game. I hate it. Well, I think there's, I think there's a wider discussion on that, Rob. Because but do you think that's acceptable? 
Well, there is there's a there's fan culture and it can't be constrained and contained. I didn't I didn't hear it at Anfield or at Stamford Bridge or Molyneux. I, I mean, I've been to I I've been to there. many football games all over the world. I'm just saying, you, you've you've been to each wherever I go, that happens. Each. Okay, you've been like you know, except for you, in Asia. Yeah, well, you can play me off a break on that conversation, but I'm just saying that in this country that doesn't have a historical football background, um, uh, Cam, William, you're a young guy. What do you think? Oh, I think I've poured enough of my heart into A-League fandom and trying to build it up as a collective, and I'm still pretty devastated by what happened at the back end of last year, probably in equal part of the fan, um, the fan intrusion, but... The administration as well, Rob. So I'm, uh, I'm probably not fully fleshed out in terms of where I sit on it at the moment. It's still an emotional process. Ten months on, A League fandom. Try my best not to think about it. I won't hold my breath for that. I won't hold my breath for that all inclusive environment. It's not why you're leaving, is it? It's not keeping me here. Okay. Oh well, that's a, that's a that's a mic drop moment for the end of uh, of stoppage time. Well, Willem, hey uh, mate, you're going to head off now, and we're not going to talk to for a few months. Um, uh, you know, uh, personally, uh, I hope this uh, next stage of uh, of your journey through life uh, is uh, everything that you want it to be. And um, and Matt, I'm really excited to to hear what happens next in in your sort of. Uh, or career from a, a um, you know a, a sports journalist point of view and uh, and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to you coming back and and um, hearing um, you know how it plays out and you know still remember us the little guys on box to box AH. do you think Willem will remember us of course he will no thank you very much guys thank you for the platform to to learn grow and um, and be part of it and also now for the opportunity to um, yeah, take a beat on it, but still have the door open for uh, for the new year. So looking forward to a massive 2024. I'll speak to you all. Um, as my primary passion in the game, the uh, the Socceroos are about to take on an Asian Cup, which I think we can win edge. Um, so I'll be uh, I'll be ready to, ready to roll come early Jan. Look forward to that, William. Have a great time in uh, Europe, and I'll see you in Bangkok in a couple of weeks. And I'm doing look forward to it. Adam for his great work to continue on with the Gotham theme. Until Willem returns on the same bat time, same bat channel this time in the new year. Thank you again for listening to Box to Box. Please subscribe to the show, Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a nice review. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on X. Like us on Facebook and please join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.